for listening to our podcast, recorded live at Gateway Church Ashford. You can find out more about us on our website, gatewaychurchashford.co.uk. Right, well, it's good to be back. Um, I've, um, I'm not wearing glasses, and it feels strange because I've had a cataract done in that eye. I've got 20-20 vision. I can see you brilliantly. This one... I'm as blind as a bat, so you can stick your tongue out at me and I won't even know. And my brain can't cope with, I've got the other one being done next week, so hopefully I'll, have, I'll be fine and I can have reading glasses. But at the moment, my brain is trying to tell me to focus where it shouldn't be focusing. So um, I've got 24 sheets of notes today in my preach. I need to know that, so I'll warn you. Um, it's 24 point size <laughs> on the notes, so... Um, I just good to be back. Somebody said to me, um, "Amazing story." I was talking to somebody in the church who's in in a um, an archery club today, uh, a dear dear friend Ian, and he uh, he he was sharing how um, he's just finding opportunity this summer to express God's love of the kingdom and the kingdom generosity in his archery club. And he said there are a significant number of serious witches in this archery club. And I'm thinking that's absolutely fantastic that they're knowing the generosity and the kindness of God in an archery club. The kingdom of God gets everywhere, doesn't it? I say, isn't that good news? Yeah, good news because God loves witches. He loves Satanists. He just loves people because God sent his son into the world to die for the world, to bring the world back to him. Somebody said to me, well, have you had a good holiday? I said, yeah, interesting one. We, we set off for camping in France and we, we put the sat-nav in um, and it took us towards Rouen. I thought, yeah, I know, we'll go through Rouen and down to Le Mans and da-da-da-da-da. And we were heading for Chartres for the first night. We were going along and it, um, she, I listened to her and it annoys my wife because she's got a nice voice and she tells me to t- turn, me to turn left. And, uh, we, and we ended up, Paris, I mean, yeah, we can, it'll take us around. Paris won't touch Paris. Then Sue said, look, there's Montmartre. We're in Paris. I'm thinking, what is this sat-nav? Trying to cast a demon out of it. It was, it was just, what's this sat-nav doing? You know, it's 10 years out of date. And uh, so we were going down the, the, the on, is it a, do you call it the periphery? Or is it, how do you say it? Periphery. And uh, we were going down the the west side. Never been down the west side because people say, don't go down the west side, go down the east side. So we're going down down the west side. And I said, this looks a bit of a dodgy area, this does. And uh, it was was dual carriage. It wasn't a normal motorway. It was like it went into dual carriageway. I think it was a periphery anyway. And we we kept stopping at traffic lights and uh, stop, start, stop, start. And uh, the lady on the sat-nav said, you're fine, you're getting there on time. There was a scooter behind us, a motor scooter with two guys on, on, on scooter, and you know, being a good Christian, let him go because I thought he was in a hurry. He's happy to stay behind us. And we got to a traffic lights, and we were just talking. So I got a handbag on 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 a, on a knee. Next thing we know, bang, bang! What's happening? What's happening? And this guy had jumped off a motor scooter off the back, ran around the side with a brick. He was trying to smash the window. Of Sue, on Sue's side of the car to steal a handbag. I thought, what on earth is happening? You know, you, you, you do freeze. Believe me, you will freeze. And oh, no. he was smashing away and he couldn't get in. And uh, the next thing we knew, the traffic lights went green. He 
slid over the top of the bonnet, and the guy behind us in the moped, um, sorry, scooter, and he went in front of the car, our car, and the other guy then, who was trying, the assailant, got on the back, and he zoomed off. And we just, <laughs> dual, dual carriageway, what do you do? And people were waiting to see what we did. And we did nothing, we were just in shock. And uh, straight away, um, you know, we realised, oh, if you got a handbag, not her handbag, not my handbag, um, it would have been passports, euros, cards, euro tunnel paperwork, the whole lot. It would have been, it would have wrecked the holiday. And, uh, but I realised there was something happening with us which wasn't healthy inside because I wanted to follow him and knock him on his, off his motorbike. You know, he's <laughs> gone to a motorbike now. Um, and uh, I thought, no, this is not a godly way to think. And I said to Sue, look, we prayed that morning, actually. The Lord's Prayer, you know, we pray the Lord's Prayer. It's a good, it's, that's a good prayer. It said, deliver us from evil. We said, Lord, will you deliver us from evil today? And um, I thought, we've got to do something about this. I said, come on, let's forgive this guy. Let's forgive him right now. So he's in, in the car... Middle of the, the dual carriageway, Jesus, we forgive this guy right now. And we pray for this tough area that your kingdom would come and you would build a spirit-filled church here. The great thing about that was we meant it, but the really brilliant thing about it was we carried on and it didn't affect our holiday. That's why, one of the reasons why I said Jesus says forgive. Because if you don't forgive, you're in prison. Something's wrong, isn't it? Isn't something wrong with society? Isn't something wrong with a human heart? Closer to home, in the news this week, a 53-year-old 53, 53 Ashford Tesco worker attempted to murder her ex-lover when she plunged a knife into him three times on her birthday. She told officers that she was fed up with her former boyfriend bleating about his miserable life and wanted to put him out of his misery. I mean, he was listening to Radio 2. That is not a mortal sin. <laughs> Radio 3, yeah, I could understand it. But in all seriousness, that's really sad. Can you hear the pain there? Can you hear the despair in our town? God loves our town. He loves people because he knows that people need him they need hope, they need forgiveness, they need peace. They need a reason for living. That's our town. We should be affected by this, shouldn't we? J.K. Rowling recently raised an important question of the validity of ongoing practice of institutional orphanages in the Far East. And this whole thing about tourist-type volunteering, particularly for students as well, to put something on their CV coming over from the West to help such work and how it's counterproductive. Now, I don't know about the validity of that assessment, okay? I'm not making a comment on that. But what I do know is that an acquaintance I've had from a church in Norfolk as a man who allowed the kingdom of God to take root in his heart and fill him with the love of God and a compassion for others where he, could, he saw the need for change. This man and his family have helped to transform a nation, and that nation is China. One man, one man 
who's been rid of prejudice and partiality and replaced it with kingdom compassion and kingdom love, he's transforming China. You're saying, Graham, you are exaggerating. I am not exaggerating. The man's called Rob Glover. Have we got a picture of him up? Can we see Rob? There you see. He was trained as a probation social worker. This is a... I'm going to read directly from an article from the Eastern Daily News, the Eastern Daily Press, EDP, and it said this. Rob Glover introduced a concept of foster care to China and is giving 250,000 orphans the chance to grow up in a family. Now, you'd think, that'd be obvious, orphans. Introduced into a family. That's not their culture. They put them in orphanages. The first orphanage I visited in China, Rob said, a little boy got hold of my hand, his clothes didn't fit, his shoes were broken, and he hung on to me. I wondered how I was going to break free from him. But instead of breaking free... Rob got involved, and the Norwich-based charity he set up has found foster families for an astonishing quarter of a million children. One man. One man. A quarter of a million children have been welcomed into families. That's kingdom. Don't say that you could never be a kingdom influencer. He was a social worker, probation officer, a quarter of a million, and it's growing. That's the kingdom seed that grows and grows. Every year, tens of thousands of children move from orphanages to live with families right across China. Now it's opening up in Vietnam, Cambodia, other nations of the world are hearing about this. Thanks to that one man's vision. One man's vision. He said, we restore children to where they should be, in a family who trained... Uh, and he said, children, excuse me, children were never meant to grow up in warehouses. When we don't let them have good mothers and fathers, that's why it's been great to pray today for, the, for these dear families who want to give thanks for their children. Though they develop mental and physical problems, awful things happen. Society's broken. Nations are broken. Towns are broken. Families are broken. Lives are broken. Yet there's hope. There is transformational hope through the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the kingdom. He goes on to say he was on a, he was on a fact-finding tour of the country when a chance meeting with a top official led him to being asked to set up a ch- the China's first foster care project. Rob said they were driven by a desire to make a difference. Get that? A desire to... Driven by a desire to make a difference. Which he believes springs from his faith. I'm just a normal guy, he said. There's nothing special about me or my wife. But we are both Christians, so we have the value of wanting to help where we can other people. I know we could help these children... For thousands of years, we've raised children in families and then we try putting them in warehouses. This is God restoring order. This is a good news story, isn't it? This is your go away. If you've, if you've never been to church before and you go away, you can say, at least that I heard a good news story of something good in our world happening. When people are trying to blast one another off the face of the earth, 
God's people who have been energised by the kingdom of God are bringing transformational change to bring hope to a nation. That's the gospel. This is not, we're not playing with this. This is a gospel. Rob saw something others missed and had a heart that was pliable in the hand of God which was responsive to the kingdom and the call of God. This isn't just church, this is kingdom going out there. In this professional context, God blew on it. What if God blew upon your your work in that way? Rick Warren said this, the more you care about the powerless, the more power you have. The more you serve there with no influence, the more influence God gives you. The more you humble yourself, the more you're honoured by others. Jesus declared, upon his arrival, when he stepped out of anonymity onto the world seed, he declared two things. Repent, in other words, the literally Greek word for that means change your thinking. It's not so harsh, is it? Change your thinking. For the kingdom of God has arrived. It was in... It, you see, the kingdom of God essentially is about a person. It's about Jesus Christ. But what did he really mean? Well, there's got to be a change of thinking. If you're going to be transformed, and you've got it, there's something for you to receive. Jesus got this small bunch of people, first disciples, and molded them to think differently about their understanding of God, of others, and themselves. And within three years of being discipled by Jesus, seeing the things that he did, how he interacted with people, the miracles he brought, the time he had for the broken and the bruised, the time he had for children. The problem he had was religious people, but that's another story. But they saw something in him, and they then multiplied it after his death and resurrection. And they continue his ministry, as we do now today. They were amazed how he he taught straight from the heart, that teachings went straight to the heart. Jesus said, when he started explaining about the kingdom of God, he said this, you have heard it said to our people long ago, you must not murder anyone. Anyone who murders another will be judged. But I tell you, if you are angry with your brother or sister, you will be judged. It's like murder of the heart. Then he said, you have heard it said, you must not be guilty of adultery. But I tell you that if anyone looks at a woman and wants to sin sexually with her, in his mind, he has already done that sin with the woman. You see, all of a sudden, your heart, it's gone to your heart, hasn't it? It goes to your heart because he cuts right through the externals to the internal. Then he said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, and that's very topical for me at the moment, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I tell you, don't stand up against an evil person. Paris, yeah, that um, traffic. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek, and if someone wants to sue you in court, take your shirt and let him have your coat also. That's radical stuff. 
Personally speaking, I've never failed in any of those areas. I'm only kidding. The stories he told seemed so simple, but they went right to the heart. And they'll go right to your heart, if you'll read them. And it will bring transformational change. The one of the stories you may have heard, perhaps in your school or whatever, nursery, whatever, um, there's a story he told about um, the Good Samaritan. Has anybody ever heard of the Good Samaritan? Now, I'm going to try and read it to you with one eye. <laughs> so, aha! <laughs> this, is re- this is difficult. Um, hold on. Um, this, I'm going to be so embarrassed how blind I am now. Um, Luke 10... Verse 25, there we go. And behold, a lawyer, a religious lawyer that is, stood up and put Jesus to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law and how do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbour as yourself. And Jesus said to him, You have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, like the rest of us, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbour? This is it. And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down the road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, that's the next one down in the religious system, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Got far more important things on. Must go to a meeting. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii, about three days worth of hotel bills. And he said, whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Now, which of these do you think proved to be a neighbour to the man who fell amongst the robbers? He answered him, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. You see, how can we change the world if we ourselves can't be changed? How can we? You see, we are the products of our past, but we don't have to remain prisoners to it. There is a hope for change and transformation. It's one thing to spot a need. They spotted that need in the story. But it's another thing to do something about it. Many people look, but they don't see. There was a whole bunch of history between... The problem was, there was a whole bunch of history between the Jews and the Samaritans. I haven't got time to go into that, but believe me, they did not like one another. They really, they hated one another. And for this religious scholar to, be, um, to do as, the Samari- as a Samaritan that Jesus was asking him to do the impossible, he couldn't do it. It would be impossible for him to do that because of his prejudice and his view on life and theological views. His upbringing and his attitude towards this naked, broken man, would re, would, it would be repulsive for him. 
I want to draw you, just a, as an aside, I want to draw your attention to one part of that story. This lawyer, religious lawyer, um, had, had, had got something wrong at the beginning because he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's wrong. You cannot inherit, you cannot do anything to inherit something. It's a gift, isn't it? <laughs> if you think about it, it's a gift. You see, he had, that lawyer was trying to work it out. Well, if I do a bit more, I'll inherit eternal life. I'll get eternal life. It doesn't work like that. But you talk to the average person in our nation, they'd be thinking, I'll go into some statistics in a few moments, on how many people in our nation still believe in God. But they'll believe, if you do more good things than bad things, on that scale of morality, you stand a chance. That's where he was. But Jesus replying to a question, what must I do to eternal life? It was a poor question because it's an inheritance that's given to you as a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift when you turn to God. Have eternal life. And it begins now. Eternal life is to know Jesus Christ and the one who sent him. Jesus was really saying to this man, according to your religious, current religious belief system, you ain't got a chance. It's like, it'd be more chance of you jumping over a 10-foot wall without a pogo stick. You can't do it. The only way you're going to change is to have a heart change and an eye change. You've, you've got to, you're going to have to change your heart so you see differently. And that's what becoming a, a, a real Christian is. It's you've seen something, I can't do this, I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite. But God changed my heart. Changed my heart. How loving and welcoming do you think you are? Okay. On a score of one to ten, just think, where would you rate on your personal ability to love others? One to ten. Okay. You've got it? Now turn to the person next to you and tell them your personal score. Don't be modest. I saw some people laughing at that answer that you just given them. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'd like you to give more time that because it's fun. But let me just say, if you score below three, you need help. You really do. If you get below three, you need... You, we'll come to the end of the meeting. Come and we'll pray for you. You need Jesus more than anybody else, okay? <laughs> if you're scoring above seven... You're arrogant and you need to be humble. <laughs> You're deceived. <laughs> okay, last week, this last, last Saturday, um, I had my first cataract done. I went in there, people saying they're all they said, it's great, you'll be out in ten minutes, you'll be able to see, it's clear, no problem. So okay, I go in there, you have your pre-med. 
I thought it'd be a whiskey, but it's not. It's like there's things. That, and you, you go in, it's, it's all 10 minutes, and it, you, you're on light, and you come out. And I'm thinking, was that? He said, yeah, there's a, there's a slight abrasion. Went really well, slight abrasion. Um, see you um, in a few weeks' time. I come out, I start to go in shock. I said, this is really hurting. He said, oh, no, you can have, you can have paracetamol, that would be fine. Um, go home. Um, I said some weird things to the person who was... No, um, no I won't go there. Who um, <laughs> was telling me what to do. Um, go home. One o'clock in the morning, I said, you've got to phone that emergency in order, uh, order Sue, because I am in agony. And she, being married to a nurse, it's not always easy, because she said, don't be a wuss, um, you'll get better. <laughs> so... He explained the circumstances, and the man on the phone um, said, well, actually, it's especially, doesn't paracetamol work? I said, no, it ain't working. I'm crying here with pain. Get yourself down to accident emergency. Saturday night, Sunday morning. Oh, I need Jesus. I go down there, and um, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm sorry, I hope nobody from church, I hope nobody from church seeing me. Because I am grumpy. I've got a pad on my eye. Um, Sue's having to lead me by the hand. And I go in and we get fast-tracked. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to another room, a waiting area. The nurses will know the proper terminology for this. And they plonk me down. And the, the, the seats, I want us to buy some hospital seats for that. They're dreadful. They're plastic. Some people have been waiting there for 10, 12 hours. And I'm thinking, I'm, I can't cope with this. I, am, I just cannot cope. The pain... So in the end, um, a lady came, a nurse came, because I was beginning to whimper. Honestly, um, ladies, I know you think men don't know what pain is. Those of you who have had you know, children, believe me, this was painful. I had morphine sp- sprayed into my eye, and uh, I had to wait. Um, it... <sighs> what? You swallowed. Oh, did I swallow my <laughs> Swallow my morphine. It felt really nice, I tell you. <laughs> and uh, then, you, you, then you, okay, you, you're waiting. Okay, there's a pecking order, isn't there? Because you have to wait for your turn. And now I'm beginning to squint out my eye. And there's a guy, this old boy, he's snoring away. And he gets caught before me. I thought, this ain't fair. This is just not... And I'm, I'm thinking, I hope nobody from church sees me. Then there was this other young lad. He was there. He was going in and out for a fag. And I thought... There's no way he should get there before me. He got there before me. I was, I was really, I, I realised there was some prejudice in my heart. But it took pain and problems to see that my, my heart wasn't so sorted as I thought it was. And uh, it gets better from here because then in nine o'clock in the morning I get I get through to the hospital ophthalmist. One of those people that begins with O, ophthalmist. And she says you have got a huge scratch lesion on your cornea. It shouldn't have happened. And she says it's really painful. Is I said yes it is. I nearly gave I nearly gave her a kiss. <laughs> but research. Research says, suggests that the density of pain receptors in the cornea is 600 times greater than skin. This is painful. I, I want the medical people to give me a bit of love here. Come on. <laughs> but I was so preoccupied with my getting my own needs met that I missed the needs of others. Yeah? 
I was so bothered about my pain that I missed being compassionate to others in their pain. So shallow that repentance was necessary and I did that. The dictionary definition for, for, for prejudice is unreasonable feelings, opinions or attitudes, especially of a hostile nature. An ethnic, racial, social or religious group. I realise that when in pain, it's more difficult to be thinking of others. How Jesus hung on that cross and he looked down and he saw his mother and he saw John and in his weakness he said, John, look after my mother. That's who we worship. As a man in heaven. God man in heaven who loves us. He knows what pain is and he knows what compassion is. And church, I just want to, heart to heart here. May prejudice be kicked. If there is any residue of prejudice in this church over colour of skin, Social background, kick it out. It has no place in the kingdom of God. So when we have international services and you don't turn up, why don't you turn up? When it's all family worship and the children are in and you may go somewhere else, why? Why? Is there prejudice there? Because my need is not being met because I want a proper service. We ain't got a chance of impacting Ashford at the riverside if, we haven't, if we've got prejudice in our hearts. And I'm trying to encourage you because if I've got it in my heart, most probably you may have a bit of it in your heart. It requires change. Eye surgery is needed. There's a story, um, if I can just do this, I'll squint again. Um, now, where is it? Jesus told a story about um, having a speck in their eye, didn't he? Do you remember that? Oh, wrong, wrong. <laughs> Matthew chapter 7. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, it will be a measured to you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take out the log in your own eye. For those listening on the internet, I've got a log in my eye. First take out the log out of your own eye and you will see clearly to take out the speck out of your brother's eye. I think that's pretty good teaching, don't you? I wish I could claim that one. But we go around, don't we, sort of, Oh, um, that person's not quite right. Don't like those decisions. Or, da, da, da. 
And you're totally unaware that you've got a huge log in your own eye. And we need one another to help one another to break through to have 20-20 vision. This is serious stuff because it's Jesus taught this stuff. This is so simple but so profound if we're going to move in kingdom power and kingdom welcome and kingdom love. How's your 2020 vision? When I was preparing for this this morning, I did feel the Holy Spirit say to to me on this one, some of you husbands, I've got a log in your eye when looking at your wife's imperfections. You can see the problem with your missus but you're totally unaware of the log in your own eye. This will save marriages. We don't have to be prejudiced. There's a far better way of living than that. Here at Gateway, we stand on the cusp of a new chapter in this church's life as we transition from the town centre hub which is our midweek base to the riverside where we will, it will become our family home. The message of the kingdom has caused a realignment in our thinking and priorities. Jesus, you build your church. There's going to be some movement there, I tell you. When Jesus builds his church, we'll do the kingdom bit. We're going to extend the kingdom We're going to take risks for Jesus. We're going to love in a way we haven't loved before. And we're going to see that God's got a heart for this town. But it's got to start here to get involved. You see, if you don't see it, you won't get involved in it. You won't. I'm too busy. I've compartmentalised my life. There's this woman at the well five husbands she'd had Jesus came to the same we were sitting there she came to get some water the story goes he told her everything about her life <laughs> without condemnation he said well the one the husband you've got now is not your own you've had, five, had a, a, four or five before and she felt the love of God coming out of Jesus she felt an acceptance kindness she went back and told the town, he said, come and see this man who told me everything I ever did. Meanwhile, the disciples had gone off to get some Big Macs in another village. They were hungry. They come back and say, Jesus, look, we got the food, we got the food. And he said, I've got food you don't even know about. He said, well, who gave you a Big Mac? <laughs> he said, no, I have food, my, my food is to do the will of God. And then, what's he on about? And he said, look, the fields are white for harvest. <laughs> look up. And as they looked up, they would have seen all the townspeople coming to Jesus because they heard there was an answer. They'd heard there was... So I can't get that hurt in my arm. They'd heard there was hope. There was hurt, they'd heard there was a possibility for difference. church we've got to see it we have as we have as leadership in this church we have set our course that we are going to be a kingdom focused church and we're going to be passionate about this church being thrown and thrust into the harvest
This is your church. It's time now to opt in rather than opt out and let somebody else do it. Because it's called a body. It's called a body. We're a body. We're Christ's body. Seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Nearly done. The Apostle Paul wrote this, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, don't you? You know. Though he was rich, he was having great worship services in heaven. Yet for, the sake, for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. For the love of Christ controls us, Rob Glover, the love of Christ, controlled him. We have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died, and he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves. Come on, let's not live for ourselves. Let's not compartmentalise our Christianity. I just, I just want to come to a good meeting on a Sunday with good preaching, good worship, and I will go off and do like, that's not what it is about, our dear friends. Jesus laid down his life and he's given us a kingdom. But for their sake, he died and was raised. There's a hurting world in our town, in our street. And I'm not sure we've all seen it yet, if I'm honest, if I'm ruthlessly honest. I'm not sure we've all seen it, but we are seeing it. There's more and more of us now talking about this, that we can make a difference because we have got good news and we're receiving a kingdom that's powerful where we can begin to pray for the sick and bring words of prophecy and encouragement and hope and mercy and justice. Okay, just concluding. Over a third, this is the latest YouGov census poll for the UK, over a third of British adults do not believe in God or greater spiritual power of any kind. Roughly the same as a number of people who still believe in God, 32% still believe in God, and the other third don't know. So they're sitting on the fence. That's a painful place to sit. You just hurt your backside if you sit on the fence. But that means there's 22 million people in our country believing God who are praying. Another 22 million, I'm not sure, but they might be praying. So that means there's 44 million people in our nation who either pray or will sometimes pray to God. You know what? There's 118,000 people in Ashford. If you take that percentage and work it through, there's 78,000 people in our town who either pray to God because they know he's there or pray to God who hope they hope is there. And we are sitting here week after week worshipping God whom we know. And I would, if I was a betting man and I've learned not to bet... 
I would wager that there are people in the part of town where we're going to relocate to start with who are saying, God, if you are there, help me. If you are there, prove to me that somebody cares for me. We can't stay the same. I'm going to close with this. It's a, it's a, it's a weird thing. I was, the, for those of you who aren't regular the, 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 here, the, the, there's, there's lots of different translations of the Bible. And the really cool modern translation is one called The Message. It's really, it, it takes out all the these and the thous and a lot more as well. But it's good. It reads like the sun. Okay? If there's anything in the sun apart from pictures. But I'm going to read this. But he was, Jesus was speaking to his disciples. But I think it's a prophetic word for us right now. Now listen in closing. This is what it says. You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift, this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone is, has a ready heart for this, the insights and the understanding flows freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. Jesus said, that's why I tell stories, to create readiness to nudge people towards receptive insight. I don't know how to finish it, except examine yourself. Examine yourself. We want to see, I want, I want 2020 vision. I really, I really want 2020 vision. And I want you to have it. We want you to have it. Because we're on a journey now. Fear not, little flock, Jesus said. It's a father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom.